Welcome to the secret life of cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Hello there, and thank you for joining me this week on the episode I'm calling, How Can They?, with special guest, the illustrious invigilator, Ms. Jen Taub, professor of law, frequent MSNBC contributor and author of Big Money, a great eye-opening book on taxation, basically telling us why we pay lots of taxes and other people don't seem to. We talk privacy and how to protect it in the face of Roe versus Wade falling apart. Among other things, you will learn big words you can use to impress your friends, like, say, invigilator, the word you will now hear about 500 more times than you've ever heard it in your life. We also bake dog biscuits for the beloved fur children in our life, Ponzu, and of course, Mr. Bosco, hairy dog extraordinaire. Hi there. Hey. Welcome to the Secret Life of Cookies. Today, I have the esteemed law professor, author, and all around generally fantastic human being, Ms. Jennifer Taub. Bring it on, Ms. Jennifer Taub. Hello, hello. Nice to Hi. see you. It's so nice to have just touched down the United States. And I'm going to open the fridge right now before we begin to get the Diet Coke that I left there. One second. Please. Oh, my God. What? Oh, shit. Is there a dead body? my Diet Coke when I was gone. What? You can't trust oh, people God. when you leave. For everyone just tuning in who hasn't been here for the backstory, Ms. Jennifer Tab not only landed in sunny Hartford yesterday, but she landed in, she came from even sunnier Cayman. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about what you call the Cayman Islands, but most people on Cayman call Cayman. Isn't that true, Jennifer? It is so true. I learned a lot of new words. I met some British people, a British law, a law professor who, who's from England, um, who teaches in Cayman. And I said, is your semester done? And he said, it's all done. I just have to invigilate the exams. <laughs> so I was like, yes. that one again for you, Marissa. I'm sure you've heard it because you spent time in England, but invigilate yes. the exams. And I'm thinking, does that like involve a blender or what the <laughs> heck? And invigilate apparently is their word for proctor. And I am just thrilled. I brought the word home, but no one liked it. No, it's a, it sounds painful, first of all. And second, and it sounds even worse when you say you are the invigilator. The invigilator. <laughs> Good. I mean, we all, the other two words we often use is push chair, right? That's first, a stroller, yes. baby stroller. And then yep. um, what's the name for an elevator? Is it just a lift? A lift. Yeah. And that's not as exciting as invigilator. Not in the slightest, but Invigilator, I think, covers all of it. I mean, right now. I mean, and to everyone, did you think you were getting a lesson today in the real <laughs> English language? Later on, we're going to talk about some um, aphorisms, too, because I have, a, I have a big podcast planned for us because I've, I even have a name for today's podcast. Are you ready? No. The name of, the name of today's <laughs> podcast is <laughs> How Can They? Oh. Because after the week we've had, month, number of years. The question that remains is, how can they? And there's so many ways to finish the sentence. I Jen. know how they can. I'm bringing it all back. As much as we, as feminists and progressives, 
have cared and invigilators. Exactly. We need to invigilate our rights. We can never, ever sleep on it. And the vigilate comes from vigil. We can never sleep on our rights. We have to always, always fund those organizations and those people and educate our kids. So they fight back. And, you know, we invigilated on the importance of the Supreme Court when people said things like, oh, what's the difference between the Republican or the Democratic Party? Not me, but when it comes to electing people, they're all, quote, the same when it comes to X, Y, or Z. Whether or not I agree that the parties are the same when it comes to X, Y, or Z, A, abortion, they are not the same. Also crazy these days. And Trump, T, not the same. But so we need to invigilate our rights. Stand up for our rights. That's kind of in the spirit of where I came from and invigilate our rights. Okay. I, you know, I'm starting a new like t-shirt. They're starting to sell t-shirts with Mary and I'm going to do one that just says invigilate. Ask me about invigilation. <laughs> and, then, and the V, the V could be those like that, that nice picture of your like uterus and ovaries. <laughs> totally invigilate. Oh I'm my sure God. We'll sell. I'm sure. Okay. Fabulous. Please in in the comments to this podcast, tell me if you would buy an Invigilate t-shirt because we'll make them. Um, okay, I'll stop being you'll silly, be- but Marissa, that is a great no. topic. And the reason why I think I'm a little giddy um, and a little bit inappropriately cheerful is because when I'm in a panic, <laughs> that's how I am. But in all seriousness, I was away for uh, getting a much needed break for four days and no sooner than had I, on Monday, put my feet in the Caribbean Sea and thought, this is my moment to wash, wash away the anger and the angst and the pain of the Trump years and the and pandemic and get restored. That evening, when I was meeting friends for dinner, my phone starts you know, rumbling. And everybody, including you, thank you, Marissa, my husband, everyone was like Roe v. Wade. And I'm like, okay, great. When I left America, things weren't great, but at least there was reproductive freedom for me and my children. And, um, you know, when I flew back home and stepped, touched ground, I felt really queasy. I felt really awful. And actually those few days in between spending it on this sort of island paradise with its own backstory, more in the book about that, it felt comforting to be surrounded by friends who were from England and expat Americans there and just sitting there kind of enjoying life and friendship and thinking about my home country, how far away it seemed and how far away it would seem forever and how I was going to come back restored and ready to fight. So the energy you're seeing that's coming out as bubbles and joy is because I'm, I'm all in. They're not going to do this. If we have to expand the Supreme Court so it includes you, me and all of my friends this court is a political body. It's a religious body. And by the way, Marissa, being a Jewish woman, reformed Jew, especially, we put the life of the woman ahead of any future child, even the Orthodox Jews. I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but did you see the statements from the Orthodox Jewish community rabbis? No. Okay. So first of all, as a reformed Jew, we believe that that the teaching is that a woman has autonomy over her body and that life begins at birth. Now, my choice personally is different than the limits of that. But that's the idea of that. And Roe v. Wade obviously gave less freedom than that. Well, the Orthodox rabbi said, this is terrible, this leaked decision from the United States Supreme Court, because they believe that abortion has to always, listen to this, always be available when the health 
or life of the mother is at risk. And they defined, they were explicit that includes mental health. This is the Orthodox Jewish rabbi. So that is the most strict version of Judaism, the tradition that come from. This Supreme Court majority, I don't know how, you know, they're going to probably come out five to four, maybe six to three. They have no business establishing their religion and their view. And, you know, sitting from afar, I was angry at my country and happy for the people who are going to fight. Marissa, we have to fight. We have to invigilate our rights. We do have to invigilate our rights. And the other fact that came out this week, not fact, but the other thing that came to my attention this week, which I guess I was too young and fey at the time to understand, but 1993 was the year that the marital rape could be prosecuted. 93? 1993. Yeah, so in the some scheme of things, still had, had immunity that if you were married, a man could rape you at any time he chose. Or right. vice versa. I mean, I don't want to be, it could be, you know, same sex. It could be uh, the other way around, et cetera. Yep. Wow. Right. But this is definitely sort of designed to make a woman, a woman there for a, a man's demands and needs whenever he wants. Yeah. Right. Which goes all the way back to Matthew Hale. And I want to talk about him in a second. I do want to take a brief moment to talk about what we're making today, only because I think I need to just gather my strength. And we're today because. Not everybody celebrates Mother's Day. Not everybody likes to celebrate Mother's Day. But many of us parents are in some regard to furry pets. And I have a very furry pet. And you have a very furry pet, Mr. Ponzo. And I have Bosco. And we're just, I thought today we'd make cookies for dogs. You know, Ponzo just heard his name, or, but he has not picked himself off the uh, slate floor. He's kind of resting in the hallway where it's cooler, I think. But you will, yeah. honey, when you smell the cookies. So we can we can talk while we're stirring, but let's just talk about what we're putting into the mixture. It's uh, and these are all sort of approved by veterinarians. I wouldn't go too far off on these things. I'm using whole wheat flour. I'm not measuring anything too precisely, but I'm just sort of guesstimating because it's my dog and he eats things off the floor. So if it's not quite chewy enough with oats or peanut buttery enough. He'll let me know. My dog, oh, so I've got two. two. It's the three second rule, though, because that's about how long it takes for him to run and get the thing off the floor. <laughs> okay, how much what am I putting in? I'm putting in two, about two cups of whole wheat flour. And then I'm putting in about a cup of rolled oats. Um, instant oats are nice, too. I know my dog has a very sensitive digestive tract, so I'm not putting in too much of the oats. I can eat these cookies, too. You can totally eat these cookies. In fact, they're reminiscent of the healthy cookies I made a couple weeks ago. Um, They're not so far off. Your next ingredient is a pinch of salt. And then from there on in, you're going to add about, I don't know how much peanut butter you want to add. My dog really, really thinks peanut butter is, well, in England, we'd say the dog's bollocks, but we're not going to say that here um, because it's rude. Wait, 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 what did you say, Marissa? The dog's what? Peanut butter, dog's bollocks. I know what that is. You do know that that is because you've seen the rear end of a bull. Yes, the dog's oh. cojones. How much am I putting in? Of the peanut butter? Yeah, as much as I want. I'm putting in a, I'm putting in a, exactly. I'm putting in about a little under a half cup, maybe. One might call okay. it a third of a cup. Like, you might cut off a third of a cup. Good. It's not too much. It's not like the whole jar. No, okay. no. And I find measuring peanut butter really a pain in the tush. So that's why I'm just sort of guesstimating. 
And then I'm going to add pumpkin to it because my dog loves pumpkin and it's so good. If that doesn't have anybody who has a dog knows that they're when their dog is a little bit, as we used to say, loose in the bowels. This is a fascinating <laughs> podcast today. Um, we've talked about bollocks, invigilation, and loose bowels. But we're going to get, it's going to get worse, folks, because we're going to talk about the Supreme Court and the rights of women. So it's going to get even scarier than those comments. Pumpkin is really good for fiber. And I'm going to add two eggs to it. I don't know. You can add applesauce, too, for moisture. Add applesauce. If you don't have either of those, just add more peanut butter. I mean, Ponzu's not going to complain in whatever happens. I can handle this, Marissa. You know, you're up for this. And just make sure that your peanut butter does not have any like fake sugar in it, like xylitol. This is um, from Trader Joe's. Does it mean it has no? There's nothing. It's just dry roasted peanuts and it contains peanut. There's a warning. <laughs> As a lawyer, what would happen if I did, you didn't put that warning on there? Is that saving Trader Joe's money as far as possible lawsuits could i sue them if i bought a jar of peanut butter that didn't say contain there's my guess my guess is they have someone whose job it is to whenever the ingredient list says has anything like peanuts in it or nuts that they always just do that and says order the contains peanut label because if it's a minute you allow any person to use their judgment if they're at work and they're not invigilating the printing process anything could go wrong Mm -hmm. so they overdo it Okay, so the problem comes when we're allowed to use our own thought process. That we're when we're allowed to make decisions as humans, lawyers get concerned. Although, for all I know, it could be a compliance issue, or for all I know, there actually is a law that those exact words need to be there. You know, I don't know. I'm not a food okay. lawyer, Marissa. <laughs> I'm a foodie lawyer. You're a foodie lawyer, not a food lawyer. This is a good point. What are you this stirring with? I can't see the kind of spoon. Are you using a wooden spoon? Because it feels always more wholesome when I use a wooden spoon. Marissa, I'm going to show you the spoon I'm going to use. Uh It's a wooden spoon that kind of is almost like a paddle spoon. Oh, it's beautiful. That would be good for invigilation. (laughs) We've got to stop. People are getting sick of this. Exactly. Well, maybe it'll be like, you know, high Bob on the, it can become a drinking game. Um, Every time. Oh, my God. Invigilation. (laughs) You can play this after dinner, not day drinking. And and every time we say invigilation, drink. It'll be, it's, it's not just nerdy, it's super nerd. Here's some ice water. So, mm, delicious. <laughs> Fresh ice water. So tell me something about the world this week. Right now, we have a man named Justice Alito who is on the Supreme Court, and there are lots of people like him. He just happens to be the guy who has a fetish for this Matthew Hale chappy that so much of our law has been based upon. And Matthew Hale, who, and I'm, I'm, you know, don't know all the facts, but he was behind so many of the, the laws that we have now in this country, right? He's a, a 16th, I mean, 17th century, 18th century lawyer or, you know, judge. So much of our law is based on him. And he believed that women were a part of their husband. They were a helpmeet for their husband. He believed women were created from Adam's rib. So in that way, how could they ever possibly be anything but the chattel of the husband? And Alito goes back, references Matthew Hale in his leaked document. A woman's primary purpose 
in adulthood is to be married. She has to be obedient. And it's where we get the rule of thumb law. Do you know what the rule of thumb law is? I do. I used to say rule of thumb, which you all might mean is shorthand or they say a heuristic for something. And it actually means you could beat your wife so long as what you beat her with was no larger than your thumb. Yeah. And this is what Mr. Alito, I suppose we call him Justice Alito, is basing a lot of his ruling on. There's a difference. Maybe you can explain this to people. There's a difference between coming out with the final document that says, this is what we believe in, or what I believe in as a justice versus what was leaked, right? That's sort of a trial balloon in a way. Well, it doesn't, this is just for people to know, and I think they do. It's not customary. You know, the Supreme Court doesn't like leak opinions to see what the public thinks ahead of time. Typically, they're extremely secretive. And mm-hmm. sometimes the chief justice will assign the writing of an opinion to someone who they think is on the fence if they're not really, and they might be able to come up with more of a consensus opinion. But in a case where, you know, here's an instance where I think people expected the Supreme Court to erode substantially, but not explicitly say they were overruling Roe and Casey. People thought they were going to get rid of its main protection, but act as if some pieces of it stood. So at least this is more honest. But typically, you know, it looks like they got far enough along that this a draft would have circulated among the people who, uh, you know, among everybody. And then when you, if you have um, the votes, I mean, see what would happen is drafts would circulate among the chambers, right? And the, mm-hmm. after the clerk drafted it, let's say Alito's clerks made the draft and edited the footnotes and circulated it among the Federalist Society. You know, I'm kidding. Circulated it among the other. Then you would have the dissenters who knew they were going to dissent were start working on their dissent. And you would have those who might concur, like agree with the decision, but on other grounds. And so that would be happening. And somehow this wasn't just um, this isn't just an early draft. Well, what we understand about the leak is that at least five of them, I think, or a certain number of them, a majority of them, I understand, voted. Yes, maybe. Or maybe they only have four of them and they're not sure. And the theory is that maybe someone leaked it, but put pressure in some in some way. So that's what's going on here. So, but yeah, I mean, this whole Matthew Hale thing. I mean, we got to talk a little bit about England, uh, jolly old England. But it's it's really jolly old England. This is. Can we just talk about when this 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 guy Matthew Hale? So let's back up and, and say a couple of things. I mean, your your audience understands how the Supreme Court operates, but I just want to make it really clear what Roe versus Wade did basically almost 50 years ago, right, was to say that individual states could no longer pass laws that prohibited, that completely prohibited abortion before what they defined and decided was viability of the fetus outside of the uterus, right? Mm -hmm. So it was this thing about saying that this was a fundamental right. And it was based on, Marissa, you know this, it was based on it was built on the notion, this penumbra of this right coming, right emanating from, from the various amendments, including the 14th Amendment, that included, that was called a, a right of privacy. And so privacy, yeah. this was where, I, I know that you know this, but there was a time when states could forbid people from using birth control. Right. And that wasn't, I, can't, I mean, it was before I was born, I'm thinking, but maybe it was, I was born in the late 60s. It was probably around that same time. 
and the development of, you know, so, so people couldn't use contraceptive of any kind. And then there was cases that allowed it or decisions about trying to send your children to private school as opposed to public school. These were all, you know, emanating from this privacy, right? Then we get Roe versus Wade, right? And then Casey comes along when I was in law school, I guess it was like decided in the 92 or 93, right around the time you said that marital rape, uh, that states could no longer mm-hmm. permit it. What Casey did is it expanded on Roe v. Wade and said that after that period of viability, is that the, I'm not forgetting which trimester, I try to block out uh, all of my pregnancies. Uh, yeah. You know, I love my kids, but <laughs> that wasn't so fun. After the first trimester, states could have, regu- could regulate access to abortion, or even before that, they could regulate, I'm sorry, before viability, when you would be able to have an abortion, it was fine to regulate access to abortion, as long as those regulations didn't create what's called an undue burden. And Casey mm-hmm. was out of a P- Pennsylvania um, related to the, I think they, that was the attorney general of Pennsylvania. And what Casey was dealing with were laws in place in Pennsylvania that if you were a married woman, you would need to get your husband's permission. I think, I think I'm getting this right. You know, states would say you have to get your husband's permission, or if you were um, not of legal age, you would have to get your parents' permission. But they had a judicial bypass where if you didn't think your parents would let you or they might be abusive, a judge could do that. Things like that. And then there were, we've had these. What if I were, what about rape or incest? It wouldn't. You know, I think that's when you would go to the judge, right, for that. But what case, what Casey decision said is the holding of Roe still stands, that you can't outright outlaw abortion before before viability, before, before the end of the first trimester. But um at any time, you can't impose an undue burden. So we got these tr- so-called trap laws. And by the way, I am not, I am just a woman. I am not a constitutional law scholar. This is not my area of law at all. I'm just speaking as someone who invigilates her rights. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's, so, so the, here's the deal. So everyone has seen um, Supreme Court justices be nominated by a president of a particular party. And yet all these mm-hmm. years, we're supposed to pretend that judges just like, Look at the Constitution, plug a question in, and it's like an oracle. You shout into the Constitution, <laughs> and it shouts back, here's the answer. Well, that's nonsense. And as you know, in many states, the state Supreme Court justices are elected by the people. And even the regular judges are. People understand that this is a political process. You don't have to make a political process subject to popular vote. But if the Supreme Court were subject to popular vote, as opposed to appointed by the, by the president, and I know that's not what the Constitution says. I'm just saying if it did, they would not get justices who wanted to overrule Roe v. Wade. So um, that gets us to this decision. And back to your friend, your jolly old friend from merry old England, almost from <laughs> Shakespeare's era. Right. But Matthew Hale was a 17th century jurist. I think he was born shortly after Shakespeare died, right? I mean, I'm yeah. guessing. And the thing is that. Remember I said you can, you know, this idea of you look into the Constitution, it shouts back. Well, when you when the reality is the Supreme Court doesn't just opine on whether a state can have a law or not, you know, or Congress can mm-hmm. pass a law and decide whether it can hold or it can't hold based on what the Constitution says. They're sometimes called in when there's an act of Congress, a law in different jurisdictions that disagree about its meaning, and they might resolve that and so on. But in this case, um, oh, so so back to the nominations, but all these nomination hearings. We've heard one after another, these justices ask, what do you think of Roe v. Wade? And they say it's settled law. They were actually lying. 
under oath or they were telling themselves maybe in their own lawyer's mind that some settled laws don't have to stay, but they would say these things. And then Susan Collins would unclutch her pearls and say, I'm confident and so on. And, and um, these justices got through one after another after another, and they were selected specifically to overturn Roe versus Wade. This has been the plan since 1973. And so what's most disturbing is when a leader goes in, and shouts into, you know, into the cave of the document, who shouts yeah. back? Matthew Hale. When he shouts back is, yo, woman, you need to be executed. Because this is what he did back then. He was a barrister, had women executed. He supported marital rape. Let's bring that back. So why in the world would you shout into the Constitution or even look at the text right. or, or precedent, stare decisis, which is Casey and Roe, and instead you clear that away because you decide that you don't think 50 years ago they were correct. And who do you see in the back of the cave? That- Matthew fucking Hale. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can on my podcast. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I love your husband dearly and I, I love William Shakespeare, but we did, we did break away from England. And yes, we did have, we do have, we do base a lot of our law on English common law here in the States. That's not the only thing we pass statutes, no. et cetera, et cetera. There's no reason in the world to go back to the deadest of old dead men who hated women. I mean, say that is the tradition. And also to say that abortion is not a tra- you know, tradition here. I have a friend who writes in this area. And actually in colonial America, women often took medicine to end a pregnancy before it was called quickening. He may have all the proper blue book, which is the citation system sites. And it may be very long and he thinks meticulously argued, but it's not. It's not just ignorant and dangerous and relying on you know, relying on someone who is from the 17th century and detested women, it's also not accurate about rights here. And it's not the right way to interpret anything. Margaret Marshall, who I believe did write the Supreme Judicial Court decision in legalizing gay marriage for the first time in this country for a state back in the early 2000s, she, I want to say it was 2003, because I think it came into effect in 2004. But at any rate, you don't look at what marriage was back in 1789. We say, how, how has marriage evolved? And how does our definition of marriage, in this case, how does our idea of reproductive freedom factor into what we understand it is to be, to live free in America, religious freedom, bodily autonomy, and okay, I could go on and on. I think we've got to take a break now. And I haven't added all my ingredients to my dog's biscuits, Marissa. <laughs> We need to take a break to say goodbye to the general public who are listening for free right now. Normally, we'd begin to wrap up the podcast here, but starting this week, members of the Deep State Radio Network will get bonus content on the secret life of cookies. So if you're a member, hold on and we'll be right back. And if you aren't yet a member, support our work and help us get our baking supplies by becoming a member for less than $5 a month. Less than $5 a month and baking supplies, and all the recipes you can cook. We hope you'll join us, but if not, we'll see you next week.